Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today, my good friend well, and I'm, ally? I'm doing quite well, sir. Glad you yes. asked. Good. Yes, I know you're doing quite well. That is excellent. Yes. Sorry, that was a little low. I walked away from the mic a bit because <laughs> I have so much to talk about today. I kid you not that Joe sent me a bevy oh. of sound cuts and I said, can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it, daddy-o. Because I've got about 65,000 things to get to, Mm -hmm. in addition to a major, major U-turn in the Bob Mueller probe. I told you this was, I told you if you've been listening to this show for a year now, what I told you seven months ago, six months ago, I don't know, maybe maybe the audience archivist Judy can figure out. The show, I I went into the George Nader connection, how Mueller was going to move away from Russian collusion because it didn't happen. And he was eventually going to move on to who, Joe? Mm-hmm. The fixer. The Obama fixer is back. Oh. Back. Yeah. Again. The fixer's back. You're not going to want to move from your stereo speakers or headphones for this show. Let's get into it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Filter By. Yeah, baby. Filter By. We all need air filters. Why not buy them for a company from a company that wants to talk to you? people in our audience, not some company that can't stand you. Filter Buy not only makes the best products, they make them here in the United States. You need air filters. Buy them from our buddies at Filter Buy. Around the country, millions of Americans are turning up the furnace because it's getting cold. Why? Well, they neglected to change out their air filters tonight. Sometimes their systems fail and you turn that on button on the thing and you hear you gotta change out the air. You like that? You like that uh, bag of donuts there? You gotta change the air filters. You can't sip a drink through a straw if the liquid isn't flowing through the straw because you're pinching it. That's what happens when you got clogged air filters. This costly mistake of clogged air filters is completely avoidable by regularly replacing the air filters at filterby.com. America's leading, that's right, leading provider of HVAC filters, filters for homes and small businesses. Choose from over 600 different sizes, including custom options. Ships free within 24 hours. And for those of you who like to kick the can down the road, Filter Buy will give you 5% of your order when you subscribe for auto replacement. You will never forget to change your filters again. It's just so much easier than going to the hardware store, trying to figure everything out, wasting your time having to special order filters. Filter Buy saves you time. They save you money. And you can finally start breathing clean air. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Tell them Dan Bongino sent you and Joey Bag of Donuts while you're at it. Filter Buy. (laughs) <laughs> all right, folks, um, I had a whole show lined out and all of a sudden I get a uh, email from, let's just say a friend mm-hmm. and uh, that friend says, the switch has begun. What do I mean? Folks, uh, Bob, I was like, it's, it's not a it, it's not a mystery to anybody that Bob Mueller's probe into uh, Russian collusion is entirely fallen apart because there is no Russian collusion. We know that. OK, point stipulated. Mm-hmm. Can we move on? There is none. Um, he can't fabricate it for as hard as he is trying. Um, they can't make uh, collusion happen. Fetch is never going to happen. And either is Russian collusion because you can't reinvent the past. Having said that, Bob Mueller can't stand Donald Trump, can't stand anybody on his team. So they've had to invent crimes. 
uh, such as what happened to Mike Flynn. I'll get to that, too, in a minute, too, where they accused him of lying to the FBI, despite the two FBI agents that interviewed him saying he wasn't being deceptive. Fascinating how that happens. So in the invention of new crimes and scandals, Joe, do you remember the show we did about seven months ago where we pointed out an anomaly in the case, something quite fascinating in this circle of deceit and this web of connections between people in the Obama administration and people trying to take out the Trump team? How this appearance of the Obama fixer was always interesting. Who was the Obama fixer? Catherine Rumwright. Obama's White House lawyer. Just Google Catherine Rumwright, the fixer. You know, they love to call Michael Cohen Trump's fixer, right? Well, Obama had a fixer in the White House, too. It was his lawyer, Catherine Rumler. Catherine Rumler has been intimately involved in the air quotes here, Joe, fixing of all kinds of Obama scandals. That Secret Service scandal that happened, mm-hmm. Benghazi, the IRS scandal. Ob- uh, Obama's key player and fixer in this was his lawyer, Catherine Rumler. When Obama has a problem... Catherine Rumler fixes it. What was that commercial? When you got a problem, I forget what it was. If you've got a phone, you've got a fixer. You've got a, that's right. And if you've got <laughs> Obama, you've got Catherine Rumler. Yeah. That's your fixer. He brings up the bad phone. Rumler's on the other end. Can I help you, uh, Commissioner Gordon? Yes, I need this problem fixed. Well, what was the problem that had to be fixed afterwards? The problem that had to be fixed afterwards is they lost the election. They had to take Trump down. So they had to fabricate a crime. Clearly, the Russian collusion thing didn't happen. It's falling apart. So there was always going to be a U-turn towards something else. That U-turn towards something else has started to materialize. It apparently is going to be two things right now, which one I already discussed, so I'm not going to harp on too much, which is the alleged campaign finance violations, which I've discussed for two days now. You can listen to yesterday's show uh, by the Trump team, which are BS. They're not, in fact, campaign donations at all. Uh, It's a fabricated, made-up case. Uh, So we can forget that. But that's not good enough. I'm getting some traffic here that what we talked about months ago is starting to materialize. And that is the George Nader connection. Whoa, this story is just peachy. I called this in my notes, show The flipperoo. The flipperoo is coming. Now it's not going to be Russian collusion anymore because that didn't happen. It's going to be Middle Eastern collusion. Oh, wow. Middle Eastern collusion. That sounds bad, too, doesn't it? Yeah. Keep in mind, Middle Eastern collusion uh, emanating from Democrats who supported a, a deal to give the Iranians billions of dollars and, and pallets full of cash as well. So let's forget that for a minute. Um, you know, the Persia, you know, Middle East connection. Uh, let, let, let's not get into any of that. Let's leave that all behind for a minute. Right. Because that was the Obama administration's thing. Yeah. Their connection to Iran. Let's leave that all behind. But the fixer is creeping up again. Who was? Now, uh, I'm hearing a rumor now, and it's a good one, that he's making a U-turn and he's going to cover this Middle Eastern connection. And his his source in this case is no uh, uh, George Nader. George Nader, uh, according to multiple reports, was one of the guys who set up. He has been involved with politicians for Democrats and Republican administrations forever. He's one of these guys that just has connections and connects people. Nobody really knows what they do, how they do it. They just do it and they connect people. I had said to you a while ago that I found it awfully strange that George Nader is cooperating with the Mueller probe, Joe. He's one of their key witnesses. He's their guy. He is their deep throat in the case. And his lawyer is the fixer. 
Catherine Rumler. How about that? (laughs) How about that? How about that? No one finds that even a little bit coincidental that Obama's key legal fixer is the lawyer for Bob Mueller's main cooperator and now what's going to be his main charge, which is going to be Middle Eastern collusion. And the collusion, I'm using air quotes again, although I hate them, the collusion, he's going to allege Mueller. I'm so glad we were on this early because you're all prepared. It's going to be that Nader set up meetings with people who were, get it, wait for it, Joe, wait for it had social media companies that they could use to maybe help influence votes. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, that's it. No, that's a charge. Now, keep in mind, let me just explain to you what's going on here. There's a guy named Joel Zamel, and you can Google his name and read multiple press reports about him. And the allegation is that he had a company that... uh, Keep in mind, there's no there's no indication or allegation that what the company he owned did is illegal. We clear on this show, the social media influencing company. Right. There's no allegations there at all that that's illegal. Okay. The only allegation is that there was maybe some foreign money involved in this company that had pitched some kind of an election proposal to the Trump team to use social media to basically get out the Trump vote. So you may say, I don't get it. What's the crime? Well, I, nobody else gets it either. Right. That's why George Nader's in the picture, right? Because they got the Obama fixer here. Because they're trying to fabricate crimes by selectively, it seems, leaking this stuff to the public, you know, to the public domain to get the media to pick up. Oh my gosh, Middle Eastern money helped influence the election. No, that's not what happened. The proposed plan from this guy, Joe, according to multiple sources, Zamel, didn't happen. They never accepted the offer. Keep in mind, there's no allegations that this business arrangement would have been illegal anyway. It was the hiring of a company to use social media to get out the vote. It is illegal for foreigners to donate to U.S. elections. It's not illegal for a presidential campaign to seek out, you know, social media companies to help get out the vote. But the fact that this guy, uh, Zamel, they're alleging has all, they're alleging, I'm not, has these shady ties is going to be Mueller's new direct. Folks, you heard it here first. The Russian collusion's dead. So put in, it's, bury that coffin. It's dead. There's, they're, they're gonna, this is going to end quickly. The new focus, which isn't new, by the way, it's only new for the media idiots who haven't been following this case for a long time, Joe. The new focus of this Mueller probe is going to be collusion, but it was Middle Eastern. People tried to influence the election. What, through tweets? What do you, I don't understand. Through tweets and through, through uh, business deals that never happened with the Trump campaign? How exactly is that? And I find it awfully ironic that according to multiple reports out there and according to some good sourcing that we've got got our mitts on, I find it awfully ironic that the central figure at these meetings, again, suspiciously, is someone connected to the Obama orbit. Remember, nearly every single meeting that the the Russian collusion narrative was based on was a meeting between someone connected to the Trump team and some shady figure that eventually ties to the Democrats or the Obama administration. You tell me the meeting will tie it back to the Trump team. The Trump Tower meeting, the Russian lawyer who worked for the company who was with Hillary, um, Fusion GPS, the Russian intel guy that shows up at the Trump Tower meeting, 
whose wife, uh, who's, uh, excuse me, whose lawyer, the lawyer's wife was a Clinton uh, staffer and he claims to know people in the Clinton Foundation and the staff. They're all connected. All of these meetings, this was a setup. All of these meetings with the Trump team, it is clear as day. I document this out line by line in my book. All of these people are connected to the Clinton space or the Clinton dossier or people producing negative information for the Clintons. Now we see it again. So we clear on this. The collusion narrative was fake. Yep. This narrative is fake, too. But the collusion narrative has now run its course because Trump's not impeached yet or hasn't resigned yet. So now they have to move on to narrative number two. Actually, it's narrative number like 2,672. But campaign finance, which is going to die soon, too, because it's a loser case. The government already lost that case in court against John Edwards. That case is going nowhere. But now they're building Mueller. What it appears is another case. The case now is we didn't get Russian collusion. So now let's lie and make up Middle Eastern collusion. That Middle Eastern money, Joe. Middle Eastern money was being used to influence the election. Watch, watch. I'll tell you who's a big conspiracy theorist promoting this. I mention his name a lot because unbelievably, this lunatic has a following on Twitter. Is this guy Seth Abramson? He, he it's, it's bizarre that people follow this guy. He says stuff that is so insane, but he is one of the lead proponents of this, 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 this ridiculous nonsensical story of now Middle Eastern collusion. You're a loser. Big time. Big time, daddy-o. This is going to be where they go with this. Yep. Now, here's what's, what's really, again, what's fascinating about this. The collusion setup where Trump team people, I believe, were absolutely set up by Intel folks with allegiance to the Obama administration and these meetings that they set up, whether it was with Don Jr., they were all used to paint a picture. Look, Trump's meeting with these shady figures. These shady figures are connected to you idiots in the Democrat Party. Yeah, but he met with shady figures, therefore he colluded. The same exact template right now is going to be used for the Middle Eastern collusion. It is just going to be, the story's going to be rewritten. Russia's going to be blanked out. The Middle East is going to be filled in. This time, again, the central player in these meetings, and you can Google this guy's name yourself. All of the meetings they're looking at, whether they're meetings between uh, Flynn and others uh, and, and about this social media company or campaign people on, on the Trump team and this social media company, all of these meetings, the central key player in this and the guy who's there is Nader, who is now cooperating with Mueller, who is represented uh, astonishingly by Obama's fixer. When is anyone in the media going to do just a mild bit of entrepreneurial reporting and look at the connections here. Don't they find this a little bit interesting? And another one of the meetings you're looking at, which I described back in that show, I don't know, six months ago or something. Another one of the meetings you're looking at is a meeting in the Seychelles between Eric Prince and uh, Kirill Dmitriev, who ran a Russian direct investment fund. In that meeting, again, who was one of the uh, the fixers in that meeting, allegedly, who set this thing up? Nader. Ooh. Again, what's fascinating about that? That Eric Prince, who is uh, Trump's education secretary, Betsy DeVos, it's his, it's, uh, excuse me, it's her brother. Eric Prince was the uh, owner of, was uh, the CEO of Blackwater one time. Eric Prince meets with this guy in the Seychelles. One of Mueller's original arguments and why he was looking at this or the Mueller team, what they were looking into was, oh, this must have been Russian collusion 
because a guy connected to a woman in the Trump administration met with a Russian in the Seychelles. Again, here's the problem, Joe. The Russian they met with, the Russian Direct Investment Fund, Mm -hmm. had a bunch of, let's say, um, loyalists and supporters who were Clinton Foundation people. They were bundlers, Clinton bundlers. The ironies. Who knew the... Folks, every single time you turn over a rock, you find someone connected to the Clintons, this person meets then with the Trump team, and although the person's connected to the Clintons, it's used shockingly as evidence that the Trump team is corrupt. You're now seeing this, this... Now, the reason I bring up that meeting in the Seychelles between Prince and the Russian is that creates the segue into the Middle East collusion. How? They need some kind of a conduit. They need to connect the two for a foreign influence narrative. What is the common thread, Joe, between the Russian collusion investigation and the Middle Eastern collusion investigation, which is about to materialize? The connection's Nader. Nader was at the Eric Prince meeting with Kirill Dmitriev. By the way, which according to Prince is entirely innocuous. Nader was at that meeting. And Nader was also at the meeting with the social media executive trying to sell that platform to the Trump team that apparently they didn't take. Nader is the connection to all of this. And Nader's lawyer is Obama's fixer. The master Nader. (laughs) You know, again, it's, it's, it's a shame that people like me and others out there, you know, Lee Smith and others doing good work on this. Um, You know, Jeff Carlson, uh, it's really a shame that we're the ones that have to expose this on Twitter and people in, in, in what, what we used to believe were legacy media, because they're not media, they're tabloid outlets, uh, can't just do even basic homework. Like, is anybody asking that question, like how that business relationship came about? How did Obama's fixer, who cleans up all his messes, manage to find the key source for Bob Mueller in his foreign collusion probe, a key source that bridges the false Russian collusion tale to the false Middle Eastern collusion tale. How did those two connect? Why is it that every single person that they meet with or fixes a meeting with the Trump team has some connection to Obama or Hillary? The flipperuski. It's coming, folks. All right, I got a lot more to get to, uh, including Clinton Foundation stuff, Mike Flynn, uh, a great piece by Margot Cleveland in The Federalist I want to uh, I want to talk about. Hey, this is the season. It's the gifting season. And as a dude, as a dude, I admit it's hard to buy us gifts. It's awful. It's actually the worst thing ever. Even if we knew what we wanted, we probably wouldn't tell you. But it doesn't have to be so hard. This year, give the guy in your life or the guys the perfect gift. With man crates. I love man crates. They sent me a couple of man crates. You get to pry this sucker open yourself. It comes with a crowbar. I'm not messing with you. It's not a joke. It comes with a crowbar. You stick that thing in there. It's the best part of the gift. It's not, you know what? I don't even want to call it. It's an entire experience. Not only do you get the gift inside of man crates, but you get to knock the crap out of this wooden crate and open it with a crowbar, which manly men want to do. They want to, Joe, don't we want to break stuff? I love breaking stuff, Dan. So do I. And man crates let you break stuff. Yeah. This is the perfect gift. And it's all legit. You hear the wood. It goes like this. And it goes. With bre- I'm having him send you a man crate. And you're going to break it. Once we once the video's up we'll and running, you're going to break we'll it. Do it. 
We'll do it on camera. I yeah. want to see how long it takes you. It took me about five minutes. I- Smash the hell out of that man crate. Folks, <laughs> <laughs> getting bad gifts stinks. <laughs> Who needs to get bad gifts? Man crates know what guys like, and they have hundreds of unique quality gifts that he's guaranteed to love. They have the exotic meats crate. I, I have the salami bouquet is one of my favorites. Yeah, I know. They have yeah. the whiskey appreciation crate. It has personalized decanters and personalized glasses, the perfect vessels for his favorite scotch or bourbon. They have the knife making kit, the grill master kit. For the king of the barbecue, it has a cast iron smoker box and a brass knuckle meat tenderizer. Smack the hell out of that meat with your brass knuckle meat tenderizer. <laughs> Folks, you can't go wrong with man crates. You will love, just go, just go to the web. Just go to the website. Go to the website, mancrates.com slash Dan. Most gifts ship in a sealed wooden crate with a crowbar. You get the pride open yourself. You're giving him more than a gift. You're giving him an experience. Everyone will remember. Every man crate comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Open it in front of everyone. I love it. Listeners to this show, here's the deal. Buy one gift and you will get the second gift for 25% off when you go to mancrates.com slash Dan. This offer is only for the holidays. Buy one gift, get the second 25% off at mancrates.com slash Dan mancrates.com slash Dan. You are going to love Shaggy. You are going to love this. Mancrates.com slash Dan. Okay. Speaking of Mike Flynn. So wait, just to sum that up quick, because I like to keep the show uh, somewhat linear and move from one topic to the next. Topic one was this. The shift is about to happen. Russian collusion is dead. It's going to be now foreign collusion with a Middle Eastern tinge. The bridge to both was Nader. Nader is clearly a key witness for Mueller, according to multiple reports. We reported this six, seven months ago. Nader's lawyer is the Obama fixer. Nothing to see here at all, folks. The fixer is fixing it again. Secondly, second story of the day. Margot Cleveland has a wonderful piece in The Federalist. It is in the show notes. I strongly, strongly encourage you to read it. Uh, let me just fight. I screenshot everything here uh, because I, it's so important. Okay, here we go. So Margot Cleveland writes about these 302s. Now, yesterday, I had put out there that what's, what's really odd about the Mike Flynn case, Joe, uh, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, mm-hmm. uh, with respect to his title, mm-hmm. uh, matters. But uh, in the interest of brevity, uh, sorry, you don't mean, I mean to include that every time he earned his title. But Lieutenant General Mike Flynn uh, was interviewed by the FBI in January at the White House as the incoming national security advisor, as the national security advisor. He's interviewed at the White House by these two FBI agents about this transcript of his conversation as the incoming national security advisor when Trump was president elect. Mm-hmm. The FBI clearly has an agenda against him, as we spoke about yesterday. They encouraged Flynn, even though this meeting is of critical importance, allegedly to them. Again, what Flynn did wasn't illegal. Talking to the Russian ambassadors, the incoming national security advisor, is not only not illegal, it would be derelict for him not to do it. They're only going to take over the government in a few weeks, right? Right. Two things happen. First, the FBI, uh, Andy McCabe, recommends Flynn doesn't have a lawyer present, which is outrageous. This is clearly a setup, given an interview of this importance. Not illegal. I want to be clear. That's not illegal. I'm not going to do the fake news like the left. The FBI is under no obligation to tell you to get a lawyer. But one would think, Joe, one would think in a case of this significance that you would, in fact, recommend that, giving that you're trying. Right. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm not making this up, Joe. <laughs> folks. Again, I, I'm just telling you when I was involved with the Secret Service in high, high end cases that had media attention and things like that. It would likely be recommended by a United States attorney that at some point we get a lawyer involved. We start a proffer session. Right. Uh, if there's interest in cooperation, get a cooperation agreement on paper. It's 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 probably the best way to go. Now, I have some evidence of that this being the best way, especially given the political implications of interviewing Mike Flynn at the White House. 
I have some evidence of this in a second, but there was another point I addressed yesterday too, which is they didn't warn him about the false statements charge. They didn't. And they said they could because they wanted to keep him in a relaxed mood, meaning they wanted to get him to talk and get him to implicate himself by tripping over his own words, which is clearly a perjury trap at some point. Now, Joe, regarding statement number one, mm-hmm. we see, uh, some, some things I uncovered from the Wall Street Journal today. Right. Interesting pickup. Comey appears on MSNBC this past weekend. I missed this yesterday in the show. And showing you that I'm right, Joe, mm-hmm. that with a case with such severe political implications, interviewing Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, the National Security Advisor, at the White House over a case of ridiculous, fabricated, made-up Russian collusion, you damn well should have had the White House counsel present. Here is Jim Comey on MSNBC. This is a quote. Comey says, you know, re- regarding, by the way, sending two FBI agents to the White House with- without having Flynn have an attorney. He says, it's something I probably wouldn't have done or wouldn't have gotten away with in a more organized administration. <laughs> Jimbo, Jim, Debo, this guy is so unbelievably unethical. It's amazing to me. People still treat this guy like a Boy Scout. Whoa. Jim Comey is slime. This guy is so sleazy. He's, folks, he's, this is a quote. It's in the Wall Street Journal. Thing. I'm not making this up. Jim Comey, sending the FBI just to, the, with, to interview Flynn without a lawyer present. I wouldn't have something I wouldn't have done. Why wouldn't have you done it? Oh, because it's unethical. Or I wouldn't have gotten away with in a more organized administration. So Comey does two things here, folks. He admits he's a sleazeball. Mm-hmm. And he takes a shot at Donald Trump by insinuating that his administration isn't organized. Folks, I have been through presidential transitions literally in the White House. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not trying to impress you. You all work hard. You have important jobs. My job as a Secret Service agent was simple. Make sure the president doesn't die in your watch, right? Right. You sit around the White House. It's a job can be boring at times. But folks, you're there in the suck every single day. Mm-hmm. I say in the suck because it's very chaotic every day at the White House. Every incoming administration is chaotic. Everyone. I watched the Bush-Obama transition. People not being able in the Obama White House to even find out where the pens were. Is there a supply closet? It's not a knock on the Obama team. It's just it's a new office, a new job. People don't know what to do. They have to figure it out. So Comey here, a more organized administration, he's trying to take a shot at Trump while simultaneously acknowledging what a sleazebag he is, saying he would not have done this if it was another administration. In other words, have these bureau agents show up, interview this guy without an attorney present. Folks, Comey's a sleazebag. He is not a good guy. He is appearing to come off these days like a pathological liar. His testimony in front of Congress about not knowing, I don't know, I don't know this, I don't know how a CI investigation begins, um, I don't know where the dossier came from, I hadn't heard of Christopher Steele. The guy has to be a liar or he's stupid. There's no third option. I bring this up because Cleveland, Margo uh, Cleveland, has an interesting piece. Let me quote from it. She talks about yesterday, I brought up the fact that the summary, the FBI is has paperwork called, uh, uh, I believe it's a, three, it's a 302, and I think it's an FD302, but it's definitely a 302. That is the numerical designation for their paperwork, which summarizes the results of their interviews. Again, the Secret Service, we call them memorandums. They call them uh, 302s. So what's fascinating about this 
is they interview Flynn Joe in January, as I said yesterday. But the 302 is not filled out till August 22nd of 2017. Now, there's two components of this I want you to pay attention to. Bureau interviews Flynn, does it without a lawyer. Comey realizes it's unethical. He now admits it. They don't say anything about false statements because they want to set him up. They go in there with the transcript of an unmasked phone call. They don't fill out the summary of the interview till August 22nd, 2017. Why is this timing so suspicious? Let me read to you from the piece. The August 22nd, 2017 date is a, quote, striking detail because that puts the 302 report nearly seven months after the Flynn interview. When added to the facts already known, this revelation takes on much greater significance. Ah, ah, this gets good. This gets good. Turn up the volume. Don't miss this. First, again, this is Margot Cleveland's piece in the Federalist in the show notes today. First, text messages between Peter Stroke, who was the one of the him and Joe Pianca are the agents who interview Flynn, folks. First, text messages between Peter Stroke and former FBI attorney Lisa Page indicate that Stroke wrote his notes from the Flynn interview shortly after he questioned the National Security Advisor on January 24, 2017. Specifically, on February 14, 2017, Stroke texts Page, quote, also, is Andy, referring to Andy McCabe, good with FF302? Page responded, quote, launch on F-302. Given Stroke's role in the questioning of Flynn, the date, three weeks from the actual interview, the notation, quote, F-302, and Page's position as special counsel to Andrew McCabe, it seems extremely likely that these text exchanges concerned in a February 2017 302 summary of the Flynn interview. Why does this matter? It's highly likely their texts back and forth just three weeks after this. The 302 is clearly in front of Andy McCabe because his lawyer, Lisa Page, FBI lawyer, Andy McCabe's uh, lawyers working with him, tells Stroke to launch on the F302. It seems highly likely at this point, Joe, in other words, that they wrote up a summary. Are you tracking me? Yeah. Of the interview with Mike Flynn only three weeks after they interviewed him in January. Mm-hmm. So why is it dated August 22nd? Margot Cleveland goes on. Really, really good work here. Sharp. Quote, President Trump fired Comey on May 9th, 2017. So the 302 of the Flint interview Comey read must have been written before then. Why then was a new 302 drafted on August 22nd, 2017? And by whom? Yeah, inquiring minds want to know. I go on. The timing of the rewrite shortly after then FBI agent Peter Stroke was removed from Bob Mueller's team after his anti-Trump text messages came to light raises the possibility that Mueller wanted to scrub the evidence of Peter Stroke's taint. That could be read the wrong way, too. Yes, it could. I'm just quoting here, yeah. folks. I, I saw that look. and. All right, then. Having having the second agent involved in questioning Flynn draft a new 302 summary would eliminate attacks premised on Stroke's bias against the president. You see where she's going with this? This is really, really great work. 
She says the reason there may be what clearly looks to be a, quote, revised 302 here, Mm. seven months after the interview, is probably a couple of reasons. I'm going to give you some stuff based on some sources I have, too. Um, Amargo, this is great work. I wouldn't have read it otherwise. I think there's one thing she's off on, though. There's a couple things going on here. After Comey is fired, there becomes this pressing interest in the FBI uh, to politically take Trump out. Now, the FBI are not elected officials. They can't impeach him, but they certainly want to contribute to an information, uh, a, a, a stream of information fed to the media to be able to be used in an impeachment proceeding later. They also need a special counsel appointed after Comey's fired. So the suggestion here, I believe she's accurate on this, is after Comey is fired, they uncover these text messages by Stroke to his girlfriend saying how much he hates Donald Trump. Stroke's the guy who interviews Flynn. They've got to clean this mess up. Stroke is likely a signator at some point to that 302, that initial 302, indicating that Flynn wasn't deceptive and probably was relatively milquetoast, that 302. Now they need a new one. Because they've got to take out Mike Flynn. They need a scalp in the Trump administration and they need to shut Flynn up. Remember, Mm -hmm. Flynn was a big proponent of scrapping this Iran deal. Folks, then they go back and it appears they revised the 302. We know they revised the 302 because there's an August 22nd, 2017 revision months afterwards. Why the revisions? Why is this story today? You may say, why are you bringing this up again today? You discussed this yesterday because there's been a major break. Wait, one thing where I'm sorry, where I think Cleveland was wrong. I don't want to Margo Cleveland, where I think she's a little wrong. Um, the other agent in the room, Joe Pianca, who interviews Mike Flynn with Peter Stroke. I don't believe Joe Pianca is a bad guy in this. Um, folks, you ask me a lot, fairly enough. I get these questions on, on Facebook and my email. You can always contact us, go to the website, my email's there. They say, Dan, why do you defend, you know, rank and file agents? Why aren't they speaking out? I think some of them are. I'm just telling you, I don't think Pianca's a bad guy in this. I think Pianca, the other guy in the room, when he talks, if he talks, is going to expose this entire thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if people are working on that right now. I'm simply trying to say to you folks, Not everybody who was, Joe, do you see where I'm going with this? Not everybody who was involved in this is okay with what happened. And I believe strongly that there are people who are working behind the scenes to make the truth come out. I I get it. Being patient with it's hard. I totally understand. Mm -hmm. Me too. Mm -hmm. But I'm not so sure that Bianca would have been a co-conspirator and maliciously revised the 302. I'm not so sure of that. And Folks, this show, what is it? December, is it the 13th? Yes, it is. Oh, wow. It's my mom's birthday today. Mom, happy birthday. I think I got a call her. I woke up this morning. She doesn't get up till late. Uh, it is now December 13th. Mark this show. I think when Pianca speaks out, you are going to find a whole different version of events. I think the 302 was revised. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think Pianca is the bad guy in it. More on that. Later, I think that's why the grand jury investigation, a lot of other stuff into Andy McCabe is coming about. You tracking? You hearing me on yeah, this? Yeah, we're good. It's important you understand. Right. Now, why is this a story today? 
I got to go back to all my stuff here. Judge Emmett Sullivan, who is looking into this case, the Flynn case. Sorry, folks, I'm just looking for something here. I can't find it. It's all right. I usually take screenshots, but sometimes I forget which side, what I screenshot and what I don't, what I print up. Judge Emmett Sullivan, who is looking into this case, he is a, he's responsible for the Mike Flynn sentencing, right? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, he put out an edict. This was huge news. I have another story up at the show notes today, Pongino.com. Demanding what, Joe? All revisions to the 302s and any memorandum Andy McCabe wrote after the Mike Flynn interview. Okie dokie. Folks, this is getting ugly for the FBI. Yeah. This is getting really ugly. A federal judge, understand this, now responsible for the sentencing of Mike Flynn. A federal judge, Emmett Sullivan, by the way, who has a history of calling the government on the carpet. Remember the Ted Stevens case where the, the, the government, the case was eventually tossed for all kinds of government malfeasance and exculpatory information that was not revealed? That was Emmett Sullivan. Emmett Sullivan, before the sentencing, has now demanded that these 302s show up. Ladies and gentlemen, God forbid there are internal memorandum or emails from Andy McCabe indicating they knew Flynn was being uh, honest in that interview and they manipulated official FBI paperwork seven months later after Comey was uh, fired to impugn the character of Mike Flynn to rope him in on a Russian collusion scandal and they changed official FBI documents? Did that happen? We shall soon see. Not only did he put it in there, Joe, the judge that he's demanding now, all the 302s. Uh-huh. Yeah. All, not just the August 22nd one. But I love it. <laughs> when I was in the uh, Secret Service Academy, if you screwed something up, <laughs> you know, you're there were... SATC, special agent training classes. And uh, I forget what one I was in. Gosh, I can't. That's so bad. I think it was 177. If you screwed something up, they'd be like, gentlemen, ladies, out here, forthwith, forthwith, every time. That meant like move your caboose immediate. You knew you screwed something up. You just knew it. Judge Emmett Sullivan says, Emmett Sullivan, I want this forthwith. He wants this. Yesterday, stat, which tells me this guy is pissed, furious. Not good, folks. Not good for Mueller, the prosecution team, but very good for Mike Flynn. I think these guys are in a world of trouble right now, the Mueller team. Again, things are happening. I wish they were happening faster. I wish I could tell you I was totally impressed with the speed of the uncovering of the corruption in the Spygate scandal. I'm not. It's been horrendous. It's been glacial. Uh, I, some people may still get off, but some things are happening. And, you know, I don't, you don't need to smile about it because there's nothing to really smile about when it comes to government corruption. But at least take a little small bit of solace that I'm sure there are at least a few good actors left in the government. And I'm sure when Pianca comes out and tells the story, it is not going to be good for Stroke, the Mueller team, or anyone else involved in this. That's why I've been insistent from the start that there are three-letter agency people who I'm convinced are going to suffer heavy legal consequences for what they did. Okay. Uh, I got to. 
the Clinton Foundation. I mean, so much going on, man. We got this Clinton Foundation whistleblower talking. It's like the news cycle. You can't stay ahead of it. Right. It's incredible. Before I get, let me just knock this one out because they're great. Again, I love our sponsors. They're happy to be on the show and I want to give them their due. Uh, Brickhouse Nutrition. Brickhouse Nutrition has the finest nutrition supplements on the market. They have been with me from the beginning. I absolutely love their products. I use them every single day. The one I really, I mean, it's hard to say which one I like the most, but I can tell you the one for strength and looks and performance in the gym that is by far the most effective, I think, of any supplement on the market right now is Foundation. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. The product, it's called Foundation. It is a creatine ATP blend. Now, it does two things, not just one. You will look better and you will perform better. That's how good this product is. Some of them you look better. Some of you perform better. It doesn't always happen uh, symbiotically at the same time. Not with this product. Now, if you don't believe me, and in any way you're questioning the sincerity of this, which you should, I take it myself and I love it. Joe's uh, son takes it. We would not mess around with this stuff. It's that good. He loves it. Take the mirror test. Look in the mirror now what you look like. Take a little mental snapshot. Go pick up foundation at BrickHouseNutrition.com. Give it about seven days. Creatine loads in your system. Follow the instruction on the back. But this creatine ATP blend, look at yourself seven days later. You're going to be like, damn, damn, hot damn. Do I make you Randy? You will. You will. Cover from that. Yes. Yes, Austin. You will make people randy. And not only that, you will perform randily. Is that good? This stuff is awesome. Go to the we need the video. This is this is a sin. We don't have video right now. This is an absolute sin. I promise you we're working on it. Just give us a little more time. I want it perfect. This is a sin. This is not being seen on video. It is. It will, you will look randy and your performance will be randomly done. <laughs> it's, I'm not messing with you. It is that good. Take a little activity log to the gym with you. Go give it a shot. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. Email me your results. I've never, ever gotten anything but like, holy, that stuff really works. I told you. <laughs> I told you. Right? Little Joe yeah, loves oh, it, right? Man, yeah. And he's not little Joe anymore. No. He was little. All right. The, the, again, of news cycle today is uh, it's just explosive. So there is a, there are three, three, not one, not two, but three Clinton Foundation whistleblowers scheduled to testify up on Capitol Hill. I have a, uh, a show note uh, uh, up in the show notes today from Bongino.com. A well done story. I want to hat tip Lauren at my website, by the way, for pumping out unbelievable articles at Bongino.com. Her and Matt Palumbo have been knocking out of the park. But folks, some of the things that may come up from these three Clinton Foundation whistleblowers, I think the time's up for the Clinton Foundation. I really do. I am convinced somebody within the Clinton Foundation is going to suffer some severe criminal potential penalties on this stuff um, because there is just so much going on. Here are some of the things. This is all in the show notes today in my article that uh, may come up in this hearing about the Clinton Foundation. Number one, the foundation hid a $2.35 million foreign, don- foreign donation from the head of, Russian, of, of the Russian government's uranium company that had business before Hillary Clinton's State Department. A clear violation of the Memorandum of Understanding with the Obama administration that they couldn't commingle this stuff. Bill Clinton bagged 500 k for a speech in Moscow, paid for a Kremlin-linked bank. The same bank, by the way, that spoke positively about the Uranium One deal. 
Hillary's brother sits on the board of a mining company that scored an extremely rare, quote, gold exploitation permit in Haiti as Hillary and Bill Clinton dispersed billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars in Haiti. No conflict there, daddy-o, don't you worry. Hillary's approval. And you know what? Let me reword this one a little bit. Hillary, they they don't approve. They can only disapprove. Hmm. Hillary's failure, I should say, to disapprove of the Russian takeover of Uranium One, which transferred 20% of all U.S. uranium to Russian-controlled, Russian government-controlled companies. One more. At least 26 million of the Clintons' wealth comes from speaking fees by companies and organizations that are also major Clinton Foundation donors. Folks, we are going to see some hopefully explosive revelations coming out today. Uh, Explosive revelations about the Clinton Foundation. There are three up on the hill. I will update you tomorrow. Thankfully, uh, uh, we have a show tomorrow. If it was the weekend, I'd probably have to do a special. Because there's, and uh, forgive me for piling this all into one show, but folks, uh, you, you are generous enough to give me and Joe an hour of your time every day in this volitional act of downloading our show. It means, this, it means the world to us. And I got to get this all in. So, okay, just to backtrack, Mueller's about to make a flip. Flip to foreign collusion from Russian collusion. The new collusion is going to be an emphasis on the Middle East. The connection between both cases is George Nader. Nader's lawyer is Obama's fixer. Fascinating. Um, number two, the Flynn 302s, Judge Emmett Sullivan, now demanding all the 302s. We're going to find out shortly the differences between the amended 302 seven months later regarding the Flynn interview and the initial one. And let me tell you something, those amendments better not be substantive. They better be like, well, we forgot to put a period here and we didn't cross this T. If those amendments are initial 302, Mike Flynn was honest, amended 302, Mike Flynn lied, we got a problem. Ooh. And the Clinton Foundation today, these whistleblowers are, I believe, getting ready to blow the stack. Okay, uh, great story. I have a little bit about it. You know, let me just cover the meme winner, by the way. Uh, meme winner for today, Dan Bongino meme contest. Dan Bongino meme. Hey, Apollo, you out there? Come in, hold on. I'm going to text my wife to come in here a second. No. Oh, stand by one second, folks. We're going to do this on the air. Paula Bongino, I'm texting her. Come in here, please. My, I got to say, please, this is my wife. Um, I want her to come in here because we were thinking about doing something different for the meme contest tomorrow. The meme contest winner for today is Mikey R, who put it on Facebook. It's hysterical. I will put the meme up uh, at my Instagram, at the Bongino on Instagram. I'm the verified account. It's hysterical. Now, some of you may not get it, but remember Goodfellas? Yeah. There's the scene of Goodfellas I love with now. Uh, what's the, Come over here a second. Uh, what, what's, uh, what are we doing for tomorrow? Are we doing that vote on it? Are we going to do a poll for the last one? Yeah, we have. Wait, wait, hold on. Talk into the mic. How's it going to be? We got so many memes and, and so many good ones, so we can't pick one. We can't decide. Yeah. So we're going to do a contest on the website. Okay. How is it going to work? We're going to put all, we're going to put a bunch of memes we select up, right? We're going to put four four memes. Four memes up, okay. So Paula's going to pick four memes, and we're, and we're going to let the audience. the nice job. That's how we'll do the last one. Thank you, Miss Paula. Don't she looks all weekend to vote. Joe, how can you see Paula? Get show it again. Doesn't Paula look great today? Hey, you look She's great a stunner, there, right? Paula. You see stunner. me? Hey. How you doing, Paula? She's the number one stunner. Remember that? The number one stunner. <laughs> Remember that? She is. She's the number one stunner today. So that's what we're going to do for the last week. But Mikey R, you win. And uh, the meme I'll put up on Instagram is Trump in the Oval Office the other day with Nancy and Chuck 
with his hand out like Bobby De Niro with Billy Batson. Drinks around the house, the house, the house. And it's Trump with his hand out like this with Nancy and Chuck. And it says at the bottom, drinks around the house. Awesome. You are whoever, Mikey are the greatest thing ever. We will get you uh, signed copies of my books personalized. So tomorrow, go to my website. We'll put the winning memes up and we'll put four or five more. And you audience, you get to pick the final winner. So yeah, Miss Paula making it appear. Nice. Yeah. We love it. Okay. Another great story at Bongino.com today. I wanted, this one's, listen, I don't usually cover fluffy stuff on the show because I, I don't want to waste your time. But this is not a waste of time because it's just, again, speaks back to what I said yesterday, how Trump is UFC one. Nobody knows what to expect going in the ring. These guys got smoked by Hoist Gracie because they never knew what to expect. Nobody can predict Trump ever. And I thought, even though this story's a little fluffy, it's, it's funny. What did Trump do? When I was a Secret Service agent back in the day, Joe, there's a just endless list of White House Christmas parties. So I got to give you some background on this first. All right. When someone tells you they've been invited to the White House Christmas party, that's not exactly accurate, Joe. There are many. I'm not playing the euphemisms game or trying to pick nits here, mm-hmm. but there are many White House Christmas parties. Many. Uh, the number and amount and format has changed. I've been to many of them. I think I've been to four. Um, maybe more. I'm not even sure. Um, but the format changes. And the way it works is there's typically a party for the Secret Service. Uh, I believe there was a party for military. There's a party for the press. Uh, then there's a party for the staff. Uh, and now that's changed. The Obama administration at one point changed the format of the Secret Service party. We used to have two Secret Service parties. Mm-hmm. Why? Because some guys are working. So... I'm not knocking you. I'm not, please don't take this the wrong way. I don't like Obama's policies. I'm not trying to be petty about that. I mean it. Uh, but Obama's team canceled the second Christmas party one year, which I know a couple guys were like offended about, but I'm not, I'm really, I'm not trying to be petty. People cancel stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, what did Trump cancel this year? <laughs> take, take, Joe, I'm going to, let me, you do not know the story, correct? I'm going to give you a multiple choice. Okay. So we, the Christmas parties that they typically have are, they have staff, Secret Service and press. Whose Christmas party do you think Trump canceled this year? Just take a stab at it. <laughs> the press party. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I love this guy. I love it. I love it. That's why, listen, I'm not, I wasn't being petty with Obama. He canceled the Christmas party for the Secret Service, the second one, not the first one. But he came down, he shook hands, whatever, do your thing. But Trump's like, nah, we're not doing this press Christmas party. And I'm like, this guy, he doesn't, I love fighters. I love it. I have this thing with fighters. I just eat it. It is no secret that I am volcanic at times. I just enjoy people who fight. Even people who fight against me. I quietly respect it as long as they tell the truth. But gosh, I was, this guy takes absolutely no guff from anyone. He's like, yeah, that's off. We're not doing the press Christmas party. I love it. And it, it's, it, you know why it's, here's the deal. Here's why this matters. Mm-hmm. When you go to the Christmas party, I went to the one with Obama. I have a family picture with him. You, you, you sit on, you sit on a photo line. It's actually quite tedious for the president at the time. I did one with Obama and uh, a couple with Bush, I believe. You sit on the photo line with your family and you walk in and, and uh, the White House military office is pretty strict about it. They're like, hey, st- basically no talking. The president's out of time. There's 200 people on the line. J- 
just go. You're not rude about it, but you know what I'm saying, Joe? It's quick. Yeah. And there's no, they, you sit on this photo line. You go downstairs to, I believe, the dip room, the diplomatic reception room. You basically stand in the footprints, no talking, quick reading, get the hell out of there, right? <laughs> but it's a big honor. Right. And I'm sorry, but I, you know, I, def- I, it, to me, it was the office of the presidency. I don't have Obama's f- Christmas photo displayed in my house anywhere, but I have it. I'm only going to burn it. You know, it was, he's the president. He's the, I didn't agree with the guy, but he's the president. I tell you that not to waste your time on the show, but because I know a lot of members of the press, the liberal press, I'm not knocking like the Fox people. They're, they're really good. They're the only fair ones out there. But I know for a fact, the liberal press that hates Donald Trump loved taking those pictures. I know it because I used to see them with Bush. One day they write an article, Bush the worst, he's a Nazi, he's the Antichrist. The next day they'd be in the picture (laughs) with smiling with their kids because it's history. You may not like Trump like I wasn't a big fan of Obama, but it's history. You were part of something. Even if it was something you didn't like, you were part of it. This is going to eat the press up. Listen to me. Mark my words. This will eat them up. It may seem petty. It may seem like a non-story. It isn't. They will hate this because you know what? They get to bring guests just like I did. And some of their guests are pro-Trump people. And now these press people are like, oh man, I was going to bring my in. Now I can't go. Yeah, you can't go. Sorry. Good. Good for you. Cancel that. Nice. Throw an extra party for the Secret Service and the military guys. And your hardworking staff, which he will, because Trump's a good guy. Yeah. Nice. I love this guy. (laughs) Read the story in my show notes today. It's fantastic. All right. Last story of the day. It's an important one. I've been off my economic bent for a while, but this is critical. Yeah. Folks, there is so much BS out there about these tax cuts. It's staggeringly hard to just follow all of it. The stupidity is just endless. So this morning I made the mistake. Um, of reading an article in in Bloomberg about the tax cuts. Here's the long and short of it. The Democrats are desperate to paint the economy as doing poorly when it's not. The numbers speak for themselves. We hit 4.2% growth in a quarter last year. It looks like we're going to hit 3% growth for the year. Obama never did that in the history of his office. Let's just lay out, though, those are facts, okay? I know liberals have a tough time with facts, but excuse me, feel free to pitch this to your liberal friends because it's true and it will never be debunked. Obama never hit 3% GDP growth, how we measure economic growth in any year of his presidency. And it looks like Trump finally did it this year. And it looks like we may be well over 3%. Waiting for the final numbers, recalculations and that, but there's almost no doubt amongst credible economists, Trump will be uh, probably well over 3%. The Democrats can't have that. They don't want the economy to succeed under Trump. They want the economy to appear awful. So I've seen a series of articles lately suggesting that the tax cut provided a sugar high. And it was, in fact, government spending that rescued the economy. Ladies and gentlemen, remember gaslighting. Tell a lie. Tell a lie often and isolate people from the truth. The Democrats now are shifting the narrative. Now it's not that the tax cuts didn't work. It's that they weren't the real driver of Groucho. It's the government spending, which, to be fair, is high. Now, you see where I'm talking? The narrative cannot be tax cuts juice the economy. The narrative is going to be now that it was government spending. Exhibit number one. I saw this coming. Here's Bloomberg today. While While the tax cuts got most of the attention, 
Spending increases approved after most of the tax changes took effect. Probably, notice how they put that in there, probably had an even bigger effect on growth. And he go, they go on to basically try to explain this away. This is hysterical. Bloomberg. One of the most easily disproved claims Trump made about his tax cut plan is that it wouldn't swell the budget deficit. As a share of gross domestic product, the uh, the deficit rose to 4% in October, up from 3.4% in October of 2017 and 2.6% in October of 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, this is hysterical. This is Bloomberg actually suggesting that the tax cuts are the main contributor here the tax cuts to the swelling deficit as they admit in the same article that the government's spending a lot of money and they think that has to do with the economy being juiced. Do you understand how these people make asses of themselves in the very same article, but they're so committed to gaslighting and the narrative government spending is what drives economic growth. They're so committed to it that they put contradictory claims in the same piece. In other words, deficits are bad. Trump's tax cuts contributed to the deficit. They did not. Deficits are bad, but spending is what caused the economic growth. In the same piece, they write this. Spending bad, spending good. They don't even see it. Now, here's a PolitiFact article. That PolitiFact, which is a joke. This is not PolitiFact is not a serious entity. But I want to show you how even PolitiFact stumbles over its own fact check. The fact check they're trying to correct is that the trying is that the U.S. government recorded record tax hauls after the Trump tax cuts and the economic growth. So just to be clear, Boom, Bloomberg, Bloomberg, these these loons are suggesting government spending caused this, while they're simultaneously suggesting government spending is a bad thing. They're now Politifact's trying to debunk the fact. That tax revenue is is gone up. Here we go. PolitiFact. Talking about a treasury report. It says, but the same treasury report shows that corporate taxes were down during the first 10 months of the fiscal year. Mm -hmm. They were. In fact, they were down 28.5%, a whopping plunge, but not a surprising one, giving the sweeping corporate tax cuts included in the law. Corporate tax cuts after the corporate tax rate was cut by Trump did drop. They are now recovering, and the, some of the monthly tax cut or corporate tax cut hauls they've had before are now higher than they were before. Those are actually recovering now, too, which is to be expected. Of course, when you put a tax cut in the corporate side, the immediate filing afterwards is going to be for less money. You're paying less. But as businesses grow and earn more money, they'll pay more corporate taxes, which is exactly the trend now. But here's where this PolitiFact fact check gets great. Total receipts, Joe which include individual and corporate income taxes, in other words, combined, everything, okay. as well as estate taxes, excise taxes, and tariff duties, were up between the first 10 months of 2017 and the first 10 months of 2018. The rise was modest, less than 1%, but it was an increase. So let's be clear on this. PolitiFact is trying to debunk the statement that taxes are up by including the statement that taxes are up. And it was an increase. I just read to you from the piece. Folks, you can't have it both ways. You can't say the tax cuts had nothing to do with economic growth. Then fact check it, write that the economy grew, that tax revenue went up, and then simultaneously claim 
that the tax cuts contributed to the deficit when you acknowledge tax revenue went up. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm so I'm having a, if you're having a tough time understanding the stupid, it's because I can't explain away how in the very same piece, these people contradict their own premise. Here are the facts. The tax cuts juice the economy because people had more money to spend and businesses take the money and invest it in their business. That's why corporate tax revenue is going up now, not down higher than it was before. Of course, there was going to be a dip immediately afterwards. The tax rate went down. But that didn't even happen on the income side because people started getting wages in the growing economy, wage hikes, which more than compensated for the income tax uh, cuts. Oh, my gosh. These people are so ridiculous. Tax cuts work. Tax revenue is up. Government spending, yes, is up. But government spending is not the cause of the growth. Government spending is a drag on the growth, as Bloomberg acknowledges in its own piece. Silly. I'm I'm sorry we have to do this on the show, but it's just your liberal friends. You just need to debunk that. Income tax revenue is not down. PolitiFact itself is acknowledged that. Total tax revenue is up. Corporate tax revenue is now trending up higher than it was before after a slight dip. The drag on the economy is government spending. And one last point, if government spending juiced the economy, as Bloomberg wants you to believe, Joe, then how come Obama ran $9 trillion worth of, worth of government debt up during his term and the economy never reached 3% growth? Trump comes into office, cuts taxes, and we hit 3% growth right away. Does that make any sense? Mm. Only if you're an idiot. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. It was a busy show today. Congratulations to our meme winner. Yeah. We will get you guys out those. Give us some time on the books. It's uh, we, got a, we got a ton of stuff going on already. We will get them to you. Uh, please subscribe to my podcast. It is free. It's available on iTunes. Hit the subscribe button. It's free. It helps us move up the charts. It's the subscriptions that matter a lot, folks. Please go to iHeart. You can follow on iHeart. You can follow on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, TuneIn. You can always listen free at Bongino.com. We really appreciate it. Thanks again. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but... Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.